This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Underneath a suburb on the French-Swiss border is a 27-kilometre tube that hurls particles together at close to the speed of light. the Large Hadron Collider at CERN. You probably know the name. The accelerator last hit the headlines a decade ago with the detection of the Higgs boson. As a layman, I would now say, I think we have it. You agree? Yeah. Its long-awaited discovery proved that our ideas about the fundamental particles and the four forces of nature are pretty good. But... They're not perfect. Some fairly big mysteries remain, which makes a recent experiment at the Large Hadron Collider rather tantalising. Scientists have found particles behaving a bit strangely. It's a bizarre result that could be pointing towards the existence of a fifth fundamental force of nature. So, does the Large Hadron Collider have another revolutionary discovery on its hands? And if it does, what could it mean for our fundamental understanding of the universe? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Hannah Devlin, you're The Guardian's science correspondent, so I know that you get very exciting research coming into your inbox basically every day, but you recently sent me this very interesting story about the Large Hadron Collider getting switched back on, and you said intriguingly that it's on the lookout for a fifth force of nature. Now, it's been about 10 years since I had to think about complex particle physics when we were all talking about the Higgs boson, 
So give me some background to this. Why are particle physicists all of a flutter? Yeah, so um, the Large Hadron Collider, or LHC, has been switched off for three years. Um, They've been upgrading it. But actually, in the period that it's been switched off, a very interesting paper came out, perhaps didn't get as much coverage as it might have because of COVID, looking at data from the previous run that suggested that something a bit anomalous or something that could point to some new physics had been discovered in an experiment. But it kind of left people on a bit of a cliffhanger because there wasn't quite enough data to prove that this was what was going on. So people have been waiting since that paper last year for the LHC to switch back on and for this extra data to be collected to kind of show whether they really have found something extraordinary here or whether it's a bit of a blip in the data. And All this is about trying to understand the fundamental particles and forces which make up our universe. So at the moment, the best model that we have is imaginatively called the standard model. So this blip maybe puts a question mark around that. So perhaps you could give me the most basic explanation of what the standard model is. The standard model is a sort of theoretical framework that has been the guiding theory really in particle physics since the 1970s and it includes 17 fundamental particles you know you've probably heard of some of them like electrons and quarks and the Higgs boson which was proven to exist by the LHC is another one in fact that was the last particle that hadn't been detected in an experiment which is why it was so exciting to finally find it. And then the standard model also incorporates three of the four fundamental forces of nature, the electromagnetic force and the strong and weak nuclear forces. But the most familiar fundamental force is gravity, and that isn't fully included because so far scientists haven't found a way to fit it into the framework, as that would mean bringing together quantum physics and general relativity. Now, there are things that we're definitely sure about with this standard model. We know that there are electrons and that an atomic nucleus is made up of protons and neutrons and they're made up of quarks. And we also know a lot about the forces like electromagnetism. So rather than this all being wrong, is it just that we don't quite have the full picture yet? Yeah, so I guess it's a sense that we know that this standard model, it can't be complete. It can't be the kind of full explanation of how the universe works because it can't explain some of the biggest mysteries in physics. And these include what dark matter is. None of those fundamental particles behave in a way that could explain dark matter. And then there's other questions such as why there's more matter versus antimatter in the universe when the standard model suggests there should be a kind of equal amount of both. Another question is why the universe is expanding at an accelerating rate. So scientists would have expected, based on the known laws of physics, that gravity should be slowing down the expansion of the universe. It's actually accelerating faster and faster. So there's these kind of massive mysteries that the standard model can't explain. And so often what scientists are looking for are differences from what you'd expect based on the standard model. And this is what this experiment that has caused quite a bit of excitement showed. It showed a kind of divergence from 
what the standard model predicted should happen, which suggested that something else might be going on. And so this kind of deviation, that's what they're going to be investigating. That's what they're looking at next. Yeah, so very basic terms, the experiment was looking at the decay of a particle called the beauty quark, and it was expected to decay in sort of equal rates into electrons and these other heavier versions of electrons called muons. But the experiment seemed to show that these beauty quarks were turning into muons 15% less often because it's such a kind of unexpected deviation from what the standard model says should happen. One suggestion is that there's some previously unknown force at play that is tipping the scales towards these particles turning into electrons rather than muons. So they've got enough data to suggest that the odds of this result being by chance is is roughly 1,000 to 1. But they need more data to have that level of confidence that particle physics requires to call something a result. To get an even deeper understanding of exactly how the Large Hadron Collider will begin to investigate this scientific cliffhanger, I called on somebody who has spent a lot of time inside it. It's kind of like being in a tube station at some level, only obviously instead of the trains you have these magnets with the beams inside them. That is John Butterworth, Professor of Physics at University College London and Particle Hunter at CERN. He was part of the team there that helped to discover the Higgs boson. And then the, the really jaw-dropping bit, really, is when you see the experiments, because they're huge. I mean, they're, they're tens of metres high. It's like kind of walking in some sort of cathedral of physics, really. So, John, perhaps you can give me a simple explanation of how the Large Hadron Collider actually works. It's essentially a load of magnets in a 27-kilometre tunnel. It's a circular tunnel on the uh, Swiss-French border near Geneva. But those magnets are steering and focusing the two highest energy beams of particles we've ever had in a lab. They're going in opposite directions around the beam, and they're brought into collision at four points, head-on collision at four points around that beam. And those points are surrounded by particle detectors. So the idea is that we, we record as precisely as possible what happens when these high-energy beams collide. And that collision energy is really giving us resolution. You can think of the Large Hadron Collider as being essentially the most powerful microscope that we've ever built, to be honest, because similar to you can see more detail with X-rays than you can with visible light because it's a higher energy, but we're kind of at the end of that chain with the highest energy you can get, and therefore we can look deeper into the heart of matter than we've ever been able to do before. One thing I'd like to get a sense of is how smashing these particles, these constituent bits of atoms together in this giant ring helps us understand more about what everything's made of and how the fundamental forces work. When we collide these particles, we obviously they, they smash to pieces by the amount of energy that goes on there. What, what's happening when that happens is that the forces, the fundamental forces of the standard model are coming into play. And it's those interactions um, at very, very short distances that we want to understand. So by looking at these, the, where the particles go, where the products of these super high energy collisions go in our detectors, 
we can reconstruct what happened in the very, very heart of that collision. And if there's anything beyond the standard model going on there, for instance, we would be able to detect it. And that's how we discovered the Higgs, because it was created for very fleeting moments in those collisions. One of the things that you're going to look at now is a particle called a beauty quark. And this is the one that doesn't seem to be decaying into electrons and its heavier cousin, the muon, as the standard model predicts. What exactly will you be looking for when you look at these decays? What could be happening in these decays is that there could be particles that are not in the standard model, that are completely new particles, new fundamental particles. And if they interact differently with electrons than they do with muons, that could lead to these distortions. So it's an exploration. We have some hints as to where to look from these kind of anomalies, but they don't guarantee that we'll find anything. We don't, there's no guarantees. We're really kind of off the map a bit there. Let's say this anomaly is replicated and you did find something to potentially explain it. How significant would this be? Because a decade ago, you know, we all had Higgs fever. I mean, are we all going to be talking about quarks or a fifth fundamental force of nature? I think so. In some ways, it would be even more exciting than the Higgs because it would be something truly beyond the standard model. So so it would it would spawn a whole kind of excitement among the physics community of trying to work out what the better theory actually was and did it really help us address some of the issues the standard model doesn't get right. So yeah, I think it would be very exciting and I hope the public would share the excitement that the physics community would definitely feel. I mean, what happens if you don't find anything? What would that mean? That would, on the one hand, that would be a bit depressing because we would get not many clues as to any of these open questions we'd like to know the answer to. On the other hand, it would be quite startling in nature, right? Because because in general, every time we've cranked up our resolution and explored a little deeper, we've found new layers of, of physics. What we'd be saying then is the standard model is way better than it should be, basically. <laughs> it's, it's operating way up to super high energies. What we do with that information, I don't know, but you know, nature is what it is. And if that's what's going on, we'd like to know that too. Well, John, I have to say, either way, it's all very intriguing and I'm looking forward to finding out what happens. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks. Thanks again to both Professor John Butterworth and Hannah Devlin. We've put a link to Hannah's article on this story on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And whilst you're there, you'll also find a link to a very exciting prize draw The Guardian is running for the next week. After two long years, Glastonbury is finally back. And we have 10 pairs of tickets to give away. To enter worthy winners, all you need to do is nominate somebody you believe deserves to win one pair of the tickets at theguardian.com forward slash worthy winners. But you don't have long left to get your hands on those tickets. The prize draw ends on the 8th of May. And, sorry international listeners, it is UK entrance only. The entrant and nominee must be 18 years or over, and you need to receive permission from the nominee to enter on their behalf. So message them now and go to theguardian.com forward slash worthy winners. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by me, Madeline Finley, and Anan Jagatia. The sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo, and the executive producer was Danielle Stevens. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. Thank you.
This is The Guardian. Coming soon, a four-part investigative series. A new civil rights division has been set up in New Orleans. Their task? To re-examine thousands of cases and work out whether those people should still be in prison. This six-month investigation takes you into the heart of the Deep South and asks, is it possible to right the wrongs of the past? Listen to The Division New Orleans from this Friday, 6th of May, and across the weekend on Today in Focus. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.